welcome to Gamers on the Go, a podcast dedicated solely to those games that you can take with you. I'm your host, Chase Kennecke. Today's show is on Shovel Knight, and my guest is Nick Wozniak from Yacht Club Games. Hi, how's it going? Hey, how are you doing? Doing okay. It's really busy over here, but uh, yeah, we're doing pretty okay. I can only imagine. Um, <laughs> well, Yeah, uh, it's just like with the, with the launch of the game, there's just a ton of... Um, just a ton of emails that come in, and so we literally were just been trying to call through our, our giant list of backlog emails. Yeah, and the game's been out for what two, three weeks so far. Um, yeah, it's been it's it feels like a lot longer, but yeah, it's only <laughs> been like two or three weeks. Yeah. Wow, yeah, that's great. Well, uh, before we get into the game, I want to talk a little bit about about you and and maybe just your um, your history with handheld games. What what it, were you playing? When you grew up, and you know what has uh, handheld gaming been a been a big thing in your life, and is that kind of how uh, Shovel Knight comes onto a, a system like the 3DS, as well as the other platforms? But well, yeah, yeah. I mean, handheld gaming has been yeah a big part of my life as a kid. I, I guess um, having the big consoles was, was you know it, it was always more expensive to have those, and so I always had like a Game Boy um, or a Game Gear, even, and, um, and I played. Uh, I played those a lot. <laughs> you know, I played, I can remember playing Dragon Warrior, I guess, 3 was on the Game Boy Color. And right, um, yeah. I just I just played the crap out of that game just over and over and over again. And I can't, I can barely remember any, much of it now because most of it's just grinding. But I can definitely <laughs> remember just getting lost in that. Um, you know, playing Zelda DX, uh, the Link's Awakening DX on Game Boy Color was quite an adventure. <laughs> so yeah, the roots of, of uh, handheld gaming for me are really strong. Um, as far as like it, it coming on, yeah, it made a lot of sense to bring Shovel Knight to 3DS um, as a result. You know, it, Shovel Knight's on the Nintendo platforms, a lot a lot to do with the heritage of where it comes from, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes from games in the past. It comes from Castlevania, Mega Man, and, you know, uh, Zelda 2 and all that. So it's, <clears throat> it you know, it, it comes from the past. And also, um, you know, choosing a Nintendo platform was... Also due to, the, to mainly our team size, <laughs> there's actually only about a half dozen of us. So, um, and only a couple, only a couple uh, of those are, are programmers. And so the ability to go onto new platforms is pretty limited. But we were pretty confident in our choice to go into 3DS and, and Wii U. Nice. Well, uh, can you talk more about the team uh, and Yacht Club Games itself? You guys were founded in 2011, I believe. And so kind of how did the company come to be? Well, actually, we... Um, our company has been around since about last year, since the development of Shovel Knight, um, and, and maybe a little bit before that. But you know, we, we came together as a group uh, working at WayForward. WayForward is a company that does a lot of license titles, um, a lot of fun license titles, as, uh, as well as the not so fun ones. And, and then we also do some more original IP. And so we we kind of came together as a team um, working on games like Double Dragon Neon and uh, Blood Betrayal, and you know, a couple of us worked on Boy and His Blob. And so, you know, in that environment, your teams are constantly shifting and moving around. And when we finally got to Double Dragon Neon, we were basically the, the most of the core team for that game. And we really enjoyed the process. We really enjoyed working together. And thought, you know, hey, let's <laughs> let's do our own thing. Let's like get out there and and try it out. It was a great great time for it. Um, if in ten years we had looked back and said. Um, 
you know, looked at the opportunity and, and, the, and the era that it was in and said, you know, we, and, and we didn't do it, it would have been really shameful for us. So sure. <laughs> it was just like the per- timing was perfect. So it was great. So what, what's different about working at a small developer like Yacht Club? I mean, WayForward isn't huge, but it's, it's a lot bigger than, than the couple dozen guys you got, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, or half dozen, actually. Half dozen, sorry. Yeah, it's, um, it's very different. <laughs> uh, you know, when you're working in a, a WayForward or, or another company that does, you know, licensed work, you're constantly working with the publisher, and you kind of have that umbrella to deal with the marketing stuff, with the... Um, dealing with, with first party. And so now that we're on our own, all of that falls to us. We have everything in terms of just the pressure is, is all on our shoulders. And it's it's fine. I mean, we're working through it and we're able to work as a team. But um, it's, uh, yeah, it's just a new experience and new, <laughs> new challenges all, all over the place. You know, I do pixel art, but I also do like health insurance. <laughs> and I also do, um, you know, like answering emails that support and supporting emails on Kickstarter. Um, and so, there's a weird amount of just like work that, that has to happen that is the sort of glue that holds the company together and working in a bigger company, uh, you, you are a little bit more specialized. And so it's a little bit easier just to focus. Um, but I mean, there, there's also the thing of not being able to interact with the fans as much. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first time where as a company, we've been able to do podcasts and do like go on Twitch streams and talk to people that are playing the game. Um, Especially when with the Kickstarter that like that started that that whole thing off, where we are suddenly interacting with the fans, the entire production, and it's been uh, yeah, it's been a very very different experience than working in a in a company like WayForward or or any other ones that are that size. Oh, good. I mean, I'm I'm very thankful that you guys can come on and do podcasts. Obviously. <laughs> um, so Shovel Knight's your first game. Where where does this idea come from? I mean, you you talked about some of the inspirations here, Castlevania and, and Zelda Two and Mega Man and and you can obviously see some DuckTales stuff with the uh, with the uh, shovel mechanic. Um, you guys mentioned Dark Souls on your on your Kickstarter, which I can understand because of the uh, the the way the money works. But it's it's not Dark Souls. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just where does this uh, idea come from? I mean, all the influences that, that kind of contribute. Um, there's a lot. It's just it's it's a swirling cloud of inspiration that has sort of resulted in this in this game itself. So like, yeah, I mean, it's not dark souls and that it's not the same at all, but we are using the idea of like having money, um, to encourage tension during mm-hmm. moment to moment gameplay, which is what dark souls does a lot. You know, it's not exactly the, um, the bouncing mechanic from Zelda two or DuckTales. It's a little bit of a, you know, in between, but it very much has like that same feel of, uh, fusing, um, a combat technique for, platforming or you know but it's more intentional like it's more Zelda 2 and that it's like it's you can only do it on enemies and blocks and stuff but I mean it's, it's sort of a synthesis of, of all the games that we've loved and enjoyed and and there are definitely beacons where inspiration has um, you know made the most sense most resonating with people but Ultimately, it's just a, it's a collection of a game that is us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's not to disparage it, but when you when you look at it, it looks like a feature list that you just had a meeting one day and said, "What are really cool game mechanics? Let's put them all into our game." Uh, but you guys yeah. did a really good job, and they all flow really well together, and and it, it works. So well, it it, yeah. it seems it seems uh, mean to to try to break it down <laughs> into those component parts, but you can definitely see the components. And they make it that much better. 
Yeah, I think I think that's very true. I think when we we started with the idea of just doing, um, well, it springboarded from a conversation about the Zelda Two down thrust that mm-hmm. we get later in the game, and uh, the rest of the game kind of formed around those ideas and it kind of like came about organically. But yeah, it's been a um, it's been a weird process to like make sure we're not ripping off anybody and, and kind of forging our own uh, our own identity as much as we can. Definitely. Was the was the idea always to kind of be faithful to being an NES game? Was that part of the beginning that hey we want to we want to stay in this era, or was that part of you know with all the the different uh, inspirational games that came out of this that it makes sense to go back to kind of something that looks like from that era? Yeah, I mean that's, that's sort of a chicken and or the kind of situation, right? I guess. But yeah, it is. It, it was always from the beginning trying to be more of a an NES game, uh, just based on the feasibility of our team's size and, and the amount of work that would be required to do something like this, we knew that, like, even a 16-bit game or, um, you know, the 16-bit plus or, like, 32-bit or whatever that you see in the GBA and beyond, mm-hmm. um, something like that would have been a lot harder for a team of our size. So uh, we knew that um, that the NES would be a good way to, like, limit ourselves and kind of just focus the, the, the workflow. But um, in terms of just, like, sticking to the NES, we didn't want to be super authentic you know we didn't want to be shackled by the limitations of the of the system there's a lot of things that the nes just can't do or well, you know widescreen being one of them right <laughs> you know shovel knight's definitely oh it's a widescreen game so um and the par- and, do that the and i read uh, the gama sutra article where you guys had the parallax scrolling and, and a couple different colors that they couldn't do and and audio that comes from the famicom disc system instead of just a famicom uh well, yeah. it comes from the yeah, the or from the Famicom, not from the in the S, right? Yeah, the, the music actually can run, and actually we've seen it running on a real cart. Um, it's the most authentic thing of the game, I'd, I'd say. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's a great breakdown, Gamma Sutra. If you guys haven't read that, um, actually, um, Sean just walked in, and he is the hey, director hey. designer. Okay. Hi, Sean. Hey. <laughs> So yeah, we're both here now. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, we were talking about the the any the sticking to more or less the NES style, uh, but being able to not be beholden to it and, and going out further and, and doing cool things when you needed to. Uh, were there any challenges to, to trying to stick to those limitations? Uh, I, I mean, I know that you were able to do some cool things, but the idea is always to bring it back to an NES style game. Uh, was there any uh, trouble doing something like that? Well, sure. I mean, <laughs> when you think about games that are out nowadays, uh, there, there are so many design things and so many, so many little like helpful, helpful tricks that you could use to aid you in the design of the game. But when you're making an NES game, those are not available to you. You know, so right. we had to kind of think about like alternate ways that we could get that type of gameplay, and the way that we could like ease modern modern gamers that were maybe not used to the conceits of the NES, uh, like and make them comfortable with that. You know, so sure. it's like old NES games definitely had uh, definitely had some issues, right? Especially the ones that that weren't the best. So it, it was interesting to try and figure out, like, how could we pull some of the design sensibilities from modern times and, like, bring it back to the NES days and, and make it, like, kind of make it gel in a way that, that modern players and, like, nostalgic players and, like, everyone would, like, be able to understand. And in a way that wouldn't mar the, uh, you know, that great gameplay and the feel of that 
game that comes uh, from having like an authentic and classic NES game. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, um, I mean, it, it was tough for sure. Uh, it was an interesting balance. And it, it went all the way from, you know, from visuals to, to gameplay to, uh, you know, to the sound, as we were talking about. To, it's really, it was really everything. Uh, yeah, it was really interesting. Sure. Um, but, uh, it's like, it's like if you're trying to it's like you're trying to write a paper without researching for it on the internet. <laughs> it's like it's like oh like I can't do that. Right. <laughs> and like you know, and this is probably like I, I would say we probably have like a unique experience, right, amongst like all humans, because I was going to school when the internet became like a thing. Yeah, I learned I learned encyclopedia etiquette and like right. learning how to do a library back in you know. Early elementary school, right. and that, like when I was in when I was in high school, when you were doing a paper, they would say like, "Oh, you can only use like a couple of sources from the internet, right?" Like, yeah. like, the, mm-hmm. but like most of them have to be like real sources, right? As if the internet like was like you know like the information on it was not like official. Like it's only official if it was in like an Encyclopedia Britannica from 1962. Right. Like, exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. I, I remember in my school that was you know you can use whatever the internet has provided, but you can't use Wikipedia because anyone can edit that. Like, oh, well, yeah, but here are all the sources of Wikipedia, and, and you know, actually, it's pretty vetted information. They go, no, 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 we can't have anything from Wikipedia. That could be from anywhere. Oh, okay, sure. Um, yeah, so, so it was stuff like that. It's like with a limited color palette, how do you make the characters pop off from the background? Um, you know, with the way that our we decided our screen was only going to scroll in specific ways, right? So it's like that was a limitation that we imposed upon ourselves, but it, it changed everything about how the game played because everything's only scrolling from left to right or up and down as opposed to like in both directions at the same time. Right, and and you hear a lot of stuff about the, the original Mega Man games about, you know, Mega Man was supposed to be red, but there were more blue colors that the NES could do or a better variety of blues, so they decided to make them blue instead. Or yes, totally the, true. That's, how it was weird. Yeah, <laughs> that's, big, that's a big reason why Shovel Knight's blue, also, just because we have the, just because we have so many colors to choose from with that palette. Right, or like the way the bosses, the, the really giant boss, uh, you know, has to be a background image, and that's why he's on a black. There's a black background instead of a, a full color background because the boss is actually the background image of the yeah. of the thing. Totally. So right, and so it's like even though we were. Or even though for like our bosses in a similar situation to that, we were kind of faking it, right? Like the boss wasn't actually a background layer. Mm-hmm. You know, we put it on that on that background to, to give it the same feel, the same effect. In the same way, we weren't we weren't binding all animations to a specific tile size or a specific tile limit, um, which which had to be done in the NES. So um, yeah, there's a, like he's mentioned in the, in the Garment Suture article, we kind of break it down a little bit further. But there's all kinds of ways in which adhering to the NES for the sake of the, um, like, rose-tinted view of that era as opposed to being shackled to its limitations. Uh, that, that was just a constant theme throughout all of production. Right. Uh, for anyone interested, I will link to that Gama Sutra article in the show notes. Um, yeah, please, please do. It's pretty, it's pretty neat. It was fun, like, it was fun after the article was written because, mm-hmm. like, I didn't, you know, I, I just went and edited a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. And it was so much fun just to read it and I was like, wow, this is interesting. <laughs> we did a really good job, guys. Yeah, really good. These are awesome. We, all, we got in a circle and patted each other on the back. So the last person's hand was one. Yeah, it was patting the first person. 
so, so let's talk a little bit about Kickstarter. Uh, how far along was the game when you when you brought it to Kickstarter? Oh, barely even a game. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what you what you saw in the Kickstarter video is pretty much everything that we have. Okay. Uh, and the pack, the Pax East, uh, Pax East happened right as the the Kickstarter was sort of a you know weekend or so, and so we were developing a demo for that, and that was basically the. The entirety of the game it was very front facing. We didn't do a lot of you know systems and stuff, and so um, there was a lot of things that were just like not all figured out. Like like the um, the dialogue system, you know, in the demo or in the video for the Kickstarter, you see Shovel Knight and, and and King Knight talking to each other, but that was all fake because we couldn't we didn't have that system in place yet. We fully intended <laughs> to do it, obviously. Yeah, it's out sure. now, but um, we kind of like we mocked up some of those stuff for. We, it was more like like we thought of okay we're gonna have a two minute video and that means we're gonna have you know fifty clips of Shovel Knight doing something. What are the fifty clips that we really really need to have in there? You know, and so it was like a few of them are oh well we need to demonstrate the mechanics. We should have Shovel Knight bouncing on several enemies in a row. That's like oh we need to demonstrate that you can use hazards against your enemies. So we'll have Shovel Knight hit a boulder and it'll start rolling and like run everybody over and it's like that's cool. Uh, we'll show a giant boss. We'll show a moment of respite where he's at a campfire. We'll show, uh, you know, we'll show some dialogue and tease a boss battle, you know, quite just before it happens. Um, you know, we'll show the screen scrolling so that Kickstarter potential Kickstarter backers know that the screen scrolls the same way it does, like in an NES game. Mm-hmm. We showed Shovel Knight walking over the HUD, right? Like he jumps up into the HUD, walks over it, and then goes and gets some gems because we figured that people would see that and just be like, oh my gosh, like that, yeah, like yeah, like your finger just goes to the back button. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, I'm back, but not the back button that's in forward and back, but the back button that's in like, yeah, 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 like, what would we want in our dream NES game Kickstarter, you know, and so like we just thought of what what we would want, and we mocked up those exact instances uh, to try to make the best video possible. Have you have you gone back and watched it? It's pretty, it's pretty, yeah, it's it's pretty, pretty basic. Funny. It's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird seeing that that like you know alpha idea pitch video, and then looking at the final product, and just like just all the differences are just so obvious to us. Yeah. Um, it's it's cool because I think it still carries the same spirit in the final product. Totally. I mean, that's I'm I'm really proud of that actually. Like we did a we we did a good job pitching the video and then making the game that was like what uh, what the pitch is. Yeah, like it, like when you back Shovel Knight, then what you what you got, it's like I imagine it met your expectations pretty much exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and and we're back to patting ourselves on the back. We've done a really great job here. <laughs> yeah, but but no, I mean you guys you guys did an excellent job. Uh, and <laughs> and I, I think that's why you you made three hundred and how many like three hundred some thousand dollars instead of your seventy five thousand dollar goal. Yeah, yeah there were four yeah. times the goal. Was yeah. That was totally totally crazy. <laughs> I mean, we and now I mean, it's like now it's even crazy, right? It's like now Shovel Knight has it came out and like it. Like, it, like, took over the internet for, like, a day or two. <laughs> yeah. There were, like, a million reviews and... and uh, so many yeah. comics. Yeah, 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 comics so good. And that are funny and, like, and fan art and, and just people loving the game and making videos of it and just, yeah. like... I mean, I don't know. I never expected anything this, like, this big. Yeah, more than anything, it's been vindicating. But just, like, knowing that people are into it. We started this and just, like, working in... in an apartment, you know, and all like just in a sweaty little hot room, and um, yeah, like well, 
people like this? Yeah, we have no idea. Does anyone like? Does anyone even care about like an NES style <laughs> game coming out? Yeah. Or it's like, is it all just nostalgia? Like, do people like? It's the only reason that people like NES games because they have like a Mario or a Mega Man in them. You know? Yeah, there was always a t- there was a discussion that, that came up a bunch, which was like. Are we going to make $50,000 or are we going to make like a billion? Because like we have just no idea. You know, it's right. anywhere in between. Then made, yeah. And they made it really hard to plan, too. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> it's like, oh, is going like, to see any degree of success? Does anybody care or like, a lot of people care? <laughs> so, I mean, that kind of leads into my next question. How would the game have been different if you had just made the $75,000 that you'd asked for? Well, I mean, the, the game that we made cost, cost all of the Kickstarter money and more. Sure. <laughs> um, so... There's, I mean, it I, it would have been much smaller in scope. Yeah. Uh, we it's it would have almost been guaranteed that we would have had to take some other sort of job or maybe work with a publisher to, to get the rest of the funding. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, just bare bones, and, and you know, felt it would have felt anemic in, in terms of just what we wanted it to be. I mean, it still would have been awesome, but maybe it would have been more like maybe it would have been even closer to okay, like for instance, the the cool things that we got to make. In Shovel Knight, a lot of them were because of iteration. Yeah. Like, like the checkpoint system was because of iteration. The, the level design and the reason that it feels as smooth as it does is because of a ton of iteration time. Yeah, and iteration just means time. It just yeah. means you are spending time revisiting old ideas and changing them up. So, yeah. I mean, it would have been less polished. It probably would have been less, like, unique. You know, like I could, I could easily have seen it. It's like, oh man, we ran out of time. All we have is seventy-five k. It's got to be done by the end of this year. Okay, screw it. Let's just do the th- let's just do the boss portraits in the same way that Mega Man does, and just have it so you select them from a list yeah. or, or from a you know from that instead of having the world map and everything related. Yeah. Like maybe the story or like the village probably wouldn't even have been yeah, existed. Yeah, say the village is a big thing. We can kind of grew. I thought about or grew from just wanting to talk about it and then you know writing and just creating a village. It, it might have been more like the shop in uh in like Rockman, like where yeah. where you have like base uh, like Rockman and Forte or any of that where you have the guys that are standing there and you have, and you can just like choose items from a list. But it's not really like a place to explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah so, all the money helped us make Shovel Knight into a real world and a right. context and, and yeah. character and meaning. Like, like the like the Miiverse stuff and the street pass stuff we probably wouldn't have had time for. I mean, this is just if, you know, if that's the way we had gone to go with it, right? Like, I mean, who knows? Maybe we pitched the game to Capcom and they totally loved it. And we, you know, and then, like, Shovel Knight is a Capcom game. And who knows? Maybe they would have thrown, like, a million dollars behind it, but it would have been more, like, capcom right? Like it, would sure. have had, like, it would have had, like, paid DLC day one. <laughs> you know? It's hard to say, like, just what, we, what, what happened as a result of, you know... The funding that we got, and so it's hard to put ourselves in the mindset of like having funded a quarter of that. I can imagine. So yeah, I mean, I, I think we probably just would have gone to a publisher. We would have gone to like venture capitalists, or we would have said, "Hey, we you know time to tighten the belt and work twenty hours a week somewhere else." And yeah, also yeah, like order pizza or something. Well, as much as I wouldn't want paid DLC, the idea of a super shovel knight EX plus alpha sounds pretty good. <laughs> I think yeah. I think that might be a pretty decent game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what was it like uh, running a Kickstarter? I mean, you, you guys talk about you're, you're half a dozen guys and you have to wear a lot of hats in this kind of company. And yeah. Kickstarter, I'm sure, adds another layer of we need a ton. Of, we need like there are all these people talking to us and, and we're trying to fit in a campaign and have stretch goals. What, what was that experience like? 
stressful. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. That's exactly what it was, right? It's like, we don't have time to develop the game. Like, during the Kickstarter, during those 30 days, we didn't develop the game at all. Yeah. It, it was just, like, answering mails, doing updates. Well, part of it was going to PAX, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, going to PAX, we, we developed a demo, and that was, like, that was the most gamey thing we did, was making sure that demo was ready for PAX. Yeah. But then there was just, like, like getting our TV stands to PAX. Or and buying TV stands. Or buying, realizing that we needed TV stands. Yeah, like, well, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, okay, we're going to go to PAX. We're going to be exhibitors. It's like, <laughs> it's okay, like, what, we, yeah, what does that mean? It's like, there's a floor. Yeah, so you get, yeah, you, get, you get a carpet, you get like an electrical outlet, and you get like a crappy paper sign. <laughs> and you're assigned a person to like help you out during PAX. Yeah. Um, and so we had to provide everything else. So it was like, well, how many TVs should we set up? Should we have a little standee of Shovel Knight? Like, no one knows who the hell we are. <laughs> Spider banners? Like, when, like where, are we, where are we gonna go? What happens if Steven Totilo walks by and somebody has to talk to him? <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, yeah, crazy. It was all new and all just like, this is an entire side of, I guess you could call it the game industry that we just have no idea about. Right, like um, physically setting up a booth. Yeah. Like, you know, we had to get there. Like, uh, it's like, first we developed the game, the yeah. demo, and then we went there and, like, used wrenches and shit to, like, to, to put together the station. And then we spent the next three days standing there and kind of talking about it. I mean, it was just so surreal. It's like we're doing, like, we're doing, like, the whole thing. And so yeah. you, it's like usually you'd have, like, I, I mean, I'd, I'd imagine usually, like, when I worked with another company, you'd have people that do that. You'd right. have an accountant. You'd have... A, a lawyer, and you'd have a person that, like, a, a business person that, like, only deals with that. Right. But it's like now, like, you know, but it's us. Yeah, like, Waz, Waz does the uh, the Kickstarter comments, like, Ian does the Twitter, like, I do a lot of media stuff, like, like the Facebook is, is handled by Aaron, and, like, uh, it's like, there's just that, and then there's, like, talking to the accounts, talking to the lawyers, like, yeah. doing, like, I mean, and then, like, licensing and merchandising, like, hey, should we make, like, foam shovels? How does that work? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's awesome. There's not some handbook that you get as a game developer that just says all this how to do it, so yeah. we have to figure it all out. You have to just, like, Maybe you just have to call a lawyer, you have to call an agent and just yeah. make it happen. I mean, we had a lot of help from other, like we asked other Kickstarter people that had done That's successful true. Kickstarters, you know, like we asked uh, the people that made Delver's drop, mm -hmm. uh, and there were a couple of other ones too that, that we, uh, that I can't remember right now. But it's like we talked to Kickstarters that had been successful to see how they, you know, how they ran it, if there were any pitfalls that, that they were worried about mm -hmm. or that they had fallen into that we could help. Um, you know, for ourselves, I mean, it was all, yeah, it was all craziness. We tried to prepare ourselves the best we could, but, uh, you know, it was just a lot of just jumping out into new territory. Yeah, sure. Now, I'll admit that I, I am not a backer. I didn't see this game until it was coming out, and then I immediately bought it the first day and, and beat it in the first couple of days. So I feel bad that I wasn't there at the beginning to, to back you. But uh, people playing something now aren't backers. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you. We've had actually we've had a couple of people say like, "I'm sorry, I wasn't a backer." And it's like, but it, like it all turned out okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's great now. Yeah. Um, I, need to yeah, I mean, yeah. So I mean, thank you just for enjoying the game. That's yeah, like that's sure. so that's so hugely meaningful for us. Uh, just just people playing it and. Right. I, I mean, I went back and looked at the Kickstarter, and, and one thing that I've seen on Kickstarter games is, and, and yours yours included, but I've seen it on other ones as well, where you kind of have a, a reward tier of, 
uh, for you guys, you called it director for a day. Um, and you, you, uh, you had people, uh, I guess through Google Hangouts, right? Came, came through and, and we're yeah. talking and, and giving ideas on how to make things. Yeah, I, how does that, how does that really work exactly? Yeah, we, we actually had a couple people come into the office and, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. and say hello, like either driving through or like uh, one of the guys uh, came, like came in and we talked with them all day and like went to lunch and so. Yeah, that was pretty cool. It's a great experience because, you know, it's a, the pitch was it's a focused thing you had to the game. So you can add, uh, you know, most of the guys are a boss, one of the guys is an enemy and you kind of figure out what your idea of a character and how that fits into the world of Shovel Knight and right. you work back and forth with the design and the look of him and then also how he's going to function and it was a whole complete thing. Yeah, it was neat because we kind of gave players the opportunity or players, we gave, we gave, you know, a few directors per day the opportunity to come in and, and like call the shots a little bit, but it was very much, I would say like within our, within our boundaries. Sure. It was like, yeah, you can do like an enemy and so the, I think the fun part about that was like, well, what does that even mean? Like to write exactly. to a director for a day. It's like, well, that means like you need to come up with a concept, right? Like this is what the shovel light world is like. What do you want your concept to be? Uh, how should he move? And then it's like a lot of times we get things like, like it was too large in scope, right? And it was like, well, that's too, like, that's too much for an enemy or that's too much for a boss. The player won't be able to understand it. Or, uh, or, you know, sometimes we have, like, really super smart ideas that just went in, like, and were integrated, like, perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think Baz was a pretty good example of just, like, a well-thought-out sort of Mega Man Plus-style boss that just, yeah. um, like, they knew, like, the like the super best friends, they knew a, a couple of things about what they wanted out of the Baz. Like, it was their idea to have it, so after you defeat him, he's, like, pounding on the ground, and he's like, no, I'll never be able to get to the border, never, never, never. <laughs> like, that was Swinging around like Bionic Commando style was their idea. And they wanted to have the power of like, yeah, yeah, with the lightning strikes. Yeah, they, most of that was just like their their direction. And that was pretty good. Um, a couple of other ones they were just like like yeah, like, like Sean mentioned, they're just really big in scope. Um, the one that comes to mind for that was like the Hat Knight or Mister Hat. He had um, the, the guy they were working with, name is Alex Hatsakides. I, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, he had just an idea for just you know hundreds of hats of. of that would change the personality of the character and, and so change the attacks. And it's like, you, have, you know, it's a guy and he wears like, you know, eight different hats during the battle. Yeah, and I hear that, I just think, like, oh my God, eight different mobility <laughs> sets. And like, all the time be unique and, and exciting. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty interesting. Like, how could they be differentiable, right? Yeah. It's like, it would be like having, you know, like, with like 20 Mario abilities all in one game. It's like, right. it's just trying to make this happen. It's like, that's too much stuff. See, that's why I stopped getting into it. It's like, too much. Like, people can focus on, like, I feel like people can focus on three things. And the only reason for that is because they can, because they can look at the three. And then they can divide that into two, into two right? <laughs> it's like, this two I care about, and like, this one I don't, and you throw that one away, and then you have one and one, which is like the true thing. That well, I mean, really is one you really focus on. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> it, it was awesome, though. I mean, I, I think that was a ton of fun, and I would love to do something like that again. Yeah, for sure. Right. The, the classic Mega Man games had, like, a, like when Inafune... Uh, did I'm pretty sure they ran contests even for the early Mega Man games. Yeah, yeah. And so all of the like all of the designs, or at least a lot of them, were turned in by kids. And then the designers took took it upon themselves to like make it into more of like a real design that fit into the game and everything. Yeah, it was 
little more complex than that. I mean, it wasn't just like drawing of the guys. It was actually like picking up like their ideas for gameplay. So, I mean, it is is a little bit further than that, but the same spirit of like getting other people involved. Yeah, that's just so. I mean, that's just so cool. I would love for you know for a shovel knight two, or if we were going to do another order of knights or something, it's like let's open that up a little bit and make it so half of the knights are are like voted on or or like fan designed by kids or by the community or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So while we're still kind of sorry, <laughs> yeah. So while we're still kind of sticking on the the Kickstarter part, um, you guys have have run a successful Kickstarter campaign. You guys made more, a lot more money than you expected to make. Uh, that that doesn't necessarily make you experts, but I would like to get your opinions anyway about maybe some other Kickstarter campaigns or just the way you view Kickstarter. Uh, so Concept is is making Mighty Number no. Nine kind of sticking around with the Mega Man idea, uh, and yeah. they made. Tons more money than they than they ever expected to, um, yeah. but now they're out there kind of asking for more uh, for for a very specific voice acting feature, and and just how do you guys feel about something like that? And was that ever something that that came up when when Shovel Knight was was being made that maybe you were running out of money and were thinking about uh, maybe asking the backers for something else, or, or was that even something that was on the table? We've we've never we've never considered going back to Kickstarter and asking for more money for the project that we already committed to. Yeah, like there, we 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 knew that the project that we were pitching to begin with wasn't going to be what it was, and we kind of felt like anything that we were adding to it kind of felt fell within that category. And um, and also like there's no way there's absolutely no way that you can pay a team of people of our size of a real salary on the amount of money that we asked for on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, that's an extremely, extremely small amount of money to develop a video game. And I think that's something that Kickstarter and, and kind of the public in general doesn't have that good of an idea of what games cost to make, how much, uh, you know, just how much iteration time and how big the teams are and what kind of development is required. You know, so when I hear concept is making a game, they're making a 3D game across all platforms in the Unreal Engine, including 3DS, <laughs> yeah. and they only have $4 million to do it, that, that freaks me the heck out. Like, sure. it's like, oh my god, I can't believe they committed to doing that much stuff. How are they going to do it? Yeah, just seeing seeing the other side and, and being like, you know, we've worked before, and we've seen bigger budgets come through and seeing how teams work, it's, uh, you get a different perspective for sure. And so $4 million sounds like you know, an enormous amount of money for a, for a hobbyist, but for a company of professionals that do this full-time that have been doing it for many, many, many years, some more than 20, um, it's it's really hard to see how that could break down into, um, a, 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 it could be considered anything close to, like, a large budget. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a, it's a, <laughs> it's, it must be really, really tough to make it on that, you know, right. that much money. Absolutely. Uh, especially, especially when you're playing or when you're paying people real full-time salaries. You know? Yeah, I think that's really where the problem comes in. I, I, I feel like people out there, gamers, know how much you know to license an engine would cost or can understand that cost. And but when it comes into, hey, here are a bunch of people who actually work at the place and they need to be paid a living wage, and that stacks up. Uh, you know, immeasurably when you're when you're getting up, getting into more employees, uh, yeah. that just that's where all that money goes. Yeah, exactly. Money, the money goes right to the people that are making the game. Like money equals people time. <laughs> it's like yeah. man hour just is most of the budget. And then yeah, and that's the vast vast majority of the budget. You know? uh, if, if 
just imagine that you have half a dozen people living in California and you're developing a game for 16 months. And, you know, we're working. You, you know, it's not like we're working half-time. We're working 14-hour, 16-hour days uh, yeah, to get, just to get this thing out the door. So, I mean, you can, you can start to extrapolate out, like, how much time that is and how much someone might charge for it if they weren't a part of the Kickstarter in the first place, you know? Yeah, so I, I can very much... That, that, that all goes back into, like, I can very well see wanting to add features to the game and, and that becoming a, like a new expenditure, a new budget that, you know, the, adding 200 grand or whatever they asked for for the, the um, voice acting. Yeah, it was 100, right, it's 100 grand for voice acting, but it's like, well, you know what, that 100 grand probably pays for two years of someone's salary, Yeah, you know, and so it's like, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to have your salary, or do you want to have that guy work at your company, or do you want to have voice acting? It's like, well, you need both. In that case, you might have to go to Kickstarter again or, or figure out something else. Yeah. I mean, if they, committed, if they committed to voice acting, English voice acting, and then were like, no, like, we can't do it, we need more money, I feel like that would be, like, that's no good. That would be against. Well, yeah, that, that goes against the original. It'd be, like, dishonest, right? Right. right. And, to, and to be fair to them, they're, doing, they're not doing it through Kickstarter. They're doing it through their own site where it's through a PayPal and it's a pre-order of the game. And it's yeah. it's more like, hey, you're just pre-ordering the game, and it's still going to this pool of potential voice acting. And apparently, it's yeah. not doing all that well because everybody who wanted Mega or uh, Mighty Number no. Nine has already backed for Mighty Number no. Nine. But uh, <laughs> but it's cool. it's an interesting thought experiment, at least, to to just kind of discuss you know how you guys feel about that. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of other companies have done that too. I, I think the, the biggest example is like Star Citizen. It's, like, it's in like forty million dollars. Yeah. It's like crazy, just because they are running it off the side and just kind of like getting people's, um, you know, having support be real and having it be a part of the actual development. Yeah, I mean, they like indie creator or concept could have just put up a thing saying, "Hey, donate." Yeah, right. right. Well, it's like it not promised you anything. It's like, <laughs> like hey, pre-orders for my number nine are now available. And yeah. it's like this kind of comes with the idea of like this is going somewhere, right? Sure. So it's it's tough, right? It's always a tough one because it's like, oh, you have four million dollars. Why do you need a, Why do you need another hundred grand for what's happening? I can like I can understand being upset about that because they only asked for a certain amount of money for Mighty Number no. Nine, and it's like, wow, you guys overfunded so much. Like, where's all that money going? Yeah. yeah. But um, you know, being on the other side of it, it's also very easy to see how expensive things are and how much good voice acting and stuff would cost, right? Right, uh, especially if you're going to hire professional voice actors. And well, yeah, professional actors, the studio, the guy that's going to master it all. The guys, there's other guys maybe that are involved with just like getting everybody copy. Like it's, it's a big thing, sure. <laughs> you know. It's yeah. a big production in and of itself. Yeah. So Shovel Knight is a game that is out. You can buy it. You should buy it right now on on any of the platforms available. Uh, but you guys are also planning on doing on uh, DLC, and these are things that came up uh, in the Kickstarter stretch goals. Things like uh, battle mode and challenge mode and gender swap mode and the the playable bosses. Uh, you have three, correct? Yeah, yeah. King, plague, and specter. Yeah, those yeah. are voted on by the community. So those are those are the choices that that our factory made. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to say you know it's it's DLC right, and in, in that it's downloadable content, but it's all free. Right. So uh, it's like if you buy you know if you bought Shovel Knight, then you'll get all this content for free. Like we're not going to jack up the price of Shovel Knight after all the content is done. You know, like how like how a lot of games have kind of done recently. It's like we're just going to keep uh, we're just going to keep having the game at the price that it is, and continue to add more content to it. So it just like becomes a better value, and it may be 
like, whoa, all this new stuff. So exciting. You know, let me get that. Absolutely. So how yeah. how is this stuff coming along? Uh, I mean, I, I don't think you have a, an official release date for it, but is there a time that we should consider expecting it? Um, well, after, after we're kind of doing a, uh, we're doing like a media blitz and a patch blitz, and a, like we're going to put trailers out. Like, we're still very much in game is releasing. Mode. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then after that, then we'll probably settle in and start focusing on this content. Uh, it's not like we made it and and we're sitting on it. It's, right, we haven't right. even thought of it yet. So it's like we're going to develop it as soon as we're done launching the game. Yeah, there's there's still a lot to do. There's still like the EU release. There's the uh, worldwide releases um, getting into Australia and Japan. There's also uh, just um, along with that is localization, getting in different languages. Right. And there's um, you know there's a lot of stuff just getting there. There's also Mac and Linux that's being right. done right now. Linux is is running, but I mean, there's still some testing and stuff that needs to happen there, and Mac is you know, hot on its heels, so I mean, it's like, we're still, we still have to get on our physical rewards, yeah, that's happening like we, you know, we are giving out uh, or we're giving out rewards like the instruction manual, like the physical box um, uh, posters uh, little design cards that, that we promise people, so there's a lot of physical things, you know we have 1,500 Bubble mailers sitting in the other room. Yeah, that we're gonna have to go through. <laughs> Our other room was just a box full of boxes oh, and envelopes. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of things to do before the pre-production even of those remote start. But uh, I'm already itching to do it. Like I yeah, think we're all we're all like dying because we're like, oh, we just want to make more games. Like, yeah. we want to develop right. Games. <laughs> I'm tired of talking to like the lawyer. <laughs> I want to talk to Pixel Art. <laughs> So maybe this is kind of a silly question, but like, how how has the game been received, or how have you guys uh, perceived the game to be received? If that makes any sense. For me, it's been just yeah, overwhelming. <laughs> it's you know, like I've never worked on a game that's gotten this like positive and, and just uh, active response upon release. I've never yeah, I've never even been around. I've never been around a game like I've never worked anywhere. Where there would be a game that was this big, you know, yeah. anywhere. It was like this is it's unprecedented. I've never I've never experienced anything like this. Yeah, it's been just really overwhelming. Like even some, sometimes emotionally, so people have just been reacting. Just like you know, this brought me back to when I was a ten year old, and like it really made me feel really good again when I was you know growing right. and whatever. It's like yeah. oh my god, I, I can't believe that the stupid game we made about a guy with a shovel <laughs> actually touched you in that level. So. Yeah, it's been really, really, really a crazy trip. Right, like this is like you know, shovel knight destroyed my faith in gaming. <laughs> like shovel knight, like like I never thought I would feel the way that I did playing a game as an eight year old ever again. But now after playing shovel knight, I did. Like we like we were getting we're getting emails in our inbox, you know, like like several times a day that are just like these these letters like this, and it's just I mean it's it's totally yeah it's totally overwhelming. Yeah, I really, truly never thought about that happening. I thought it was going to be like a fun game people played and enjoyed. Sure, right, it. yeah. I mean, I wasn't, like, we like we were IGN, GameSpot, and Game Informer's Game of the Month. <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. But that's crazy. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, yeah, it's just, it's it's all just totally unbelievable. Um, and then, but you know what? Also, when you work on a game, I, and, like, I don't know lots of it, it's like this for you, but it's like, there are like a hundred comments, and they're like, "Best game ever!" Restored my faith in gaming. You know, best game ever. I love it. Like, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to name my child Shovel Knight. And then, like, <laughs> and then the hundred and first comment is like, "This game sucks." 
and like, and, and, like the smile will drop off my face, and it, it'll be like it sucks because of this, this, and this. Or when they bring points, like, yeah, and it's like, oh, <laughs> like all of the, like the first hundred comments, it's like kind of easy to forget about those because there's that negative comment, and like it, uh, I, you know, after working on games for like a long time, I think it's like less. Like the first game I ever worked on, when it when it got like a seven and a half out of ten, I was like. Yeah, I'm gonna shoot myself. This is like the worst thing ever. You know, I can't, I can't do this. And it, it gets a little bit easier every time. Sure. But still, just like yeah, reading reading negative comments and criticisms, like it really eats it really eats at you sometimes. Sure. Uh, and and I don't know. I guess it's good just to maybe use that as a fuel to improve your game for the next time, or to just be like, okay, it's only one comment in like a sea of positive comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes they're just funny, and you can laugh about them. Yeah, it's like what we we were joking. Like we joked that at the yacht club, like like we're all perfect, but none of us are good enough. <laughs> it's like, and it's like that's how the game, like that's sort of how the game was too, right? And it's like it's like, well, how's this? It's like, oh man, that's awesome. Like, could you try this, 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 and this? And it's like, oh, are you, like, are you kidding? <laughs> but by like by constantly pushing each other like that, right? And by and by constantly trying to raise the quality or having conversations about it, it's like I think that's how I don't know, that's, that's how like Shovel Knight kind of got to where it was, right? It's just like through lots of through lots of iteration and like honest inquiry. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so without <laughs> in that spirit, uh, without trying to ask, hey, when is Shovel Knight Two coming out? Uh, is Shovel Knight 2 something that, that interests you guys, or would you like to uh, have even more DLC, more than you've talked about, or uh, just explore something new? Are you are you kind of, I, I mean, at this moment, I'm sure you're not tired of Shovel Knight, but uh, would you rather move on to a new project instead of uh, working on maybe a sequel? Well, you might be surprised. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, it's going to be hard to say, because at the end of all this, this download content, which is going to be like serious actual game production content creation um, it's like it's almost it's hard to say it's like another it's a, it is almost like another game not yeah. exactly it's like it's like the, it's like a director's kind of like an extra like an expansion pack yeah yeah exactly I mean, you know, that's what it is it's just like it's a, it's a whole mess of content just being in that world again by the end of that it's, it's hard to say if we'll want to jump right into Shovel Knight 2 and just, you know start from scratch again um We've talked about in the past doing, you know, a Super Shovel Knight, which is like 16-bit style, or Shovel Knight 64, which is like a 3D platformer. That's one that Sean's really itching to get onto. Yeah, and that'd now, be great. I'm most excited to do a 3D, like a 3D platformer. Yeah. Um, and the, the more I think about Super Shovel Knight, it's like, dude, I don't know. 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 I don't I'm really thinking about this 64 version now. You could have some muddy textures and some really blocky models and yeah, get that Quest 64 art style. That'd be great. Well, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's something that we talked about. It's like, 
you know, people have nostalgia for NES, but I don't think there's really that much nostalgia for, like, really terrible-looking 3D. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> like, people remember GoldenEye and Mario Kart 64, and everything else was basically garbage. Well, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's like, even Mario 64 was, like, so blocky. Um, I, I think if we were to do a 3D Shovel Knight game, we wouldn't call it Shovel Knight 64. We'd probably call it, like, Shovel Knight 3D or something like yeah. that, right? Or, like, whatever, who knows? Shovel Knight, Shovel Knight, the rise of general <laughs> So, it's like, but whatever that was, it would probably be, I, I don't know, I'm imagining something more rounded out, right? Like a Super Mario Galaxy, or maybe something more, like, cel-shaded, like Wind Waker, uh, but, but something that has a smoother look and is still beautiful, but maybe has like a simplicity the way that an M64 game does. Yeah, absolutely. All right, yeah. well, I, mean, I think that covers all of my questions, unless there's anything you guys want to add or, or if you want to plug uh, your Twitters or, or where they can be, buy the game or anything like that. Yeah, you can get the game on ShovelNight.com. You can also get it on Steam, 3DS, and Wii U eShops as well. Um, it's on PC Steam right now, so that's international. Um, you can get the game on our website like I mentioned. Also follow us on Twitter at Yakov Games. Uh, it's all one word. Uh, you can follow Sean at uh, SeanFace Y-C-G. That's at symbol S-E-A-N-Y-F-A-C-E-Y-C-G. <laughs> <laughs> and you can follow me at Norkwaz, which is N-O-R-K-W-O-Z. Um, yeah, and uh, I guess we also do Twitch stuff. Every now and then, you can watch us make games or play them on uh, Twitch.com or Twitch.tv slash Yacht Games. Yeah. You can on our Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can just go all over the internet. Just yeah, go Google and type in Yacht Club Games and then, like, find everything, right? And everything that says Yacht Club, like, you know, like Sonoma Yacht Club, don't click that. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. that'll just be really <laughs> We get, we get solicitations for both parts all the time. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, we want 500 orders of widget from Yacht Club. How, how was the uh, the boat party reward tier? Oh. <laughs> Nobody responded. Oh, no. Saddest party. Uh-huh. Or, the, or the sleepover. Yeah. Oh, well, that's too bad. Explain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now, I mean, now everyone would be real excited. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Well, this is for Gamers on the Go. Uh, it's gamersonthego.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, GOTG Podcast. Uh, and then uh, you can email the show, GOTG Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, Sean and, and Nick, I want to thank you guys for coming on and. And uh, Shovel Knight's a really cool game. You guys did an amazing job, and and I look forward to seeing seeing what's coming out of you next. I, I'm really excited for that DLC. Uh, I I can't wait to see how how somebody like Specter Knight plays because uh, he was a real bastard to fight. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, thank you guys for coming on, and uh, and I'll talk to you guys later. Yeah, thank you so much. It's a ton of fun. Appreciate it.